and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heitland, and every week I'm joined by two of my dearest friends, Michelle Bensinger and Heather Kim. This podcast is born out of our friendship of sharing all kinds of things together, our walk with Christ, our insights, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast. And we are excited to begin this journey, this Lenten journey with you. So happy Lent, almost, (laughs) when this is airing. And we're going to delve into our book study. And so if you haven't picked it up yet, the book is The Return of the Prodigal Son. And it's an oldie but a goodie. I know taking taking my book off the shelf and looking at it again and seeing all my old highlights has been really, really neat to kind of look at where I was was a couple years ago reading it. Um, But it's just so wonderful. So... Michelle and Heather, how are you guys doing? How do you feel as we kind of start this Lenten journey, um, Michelle especially, and then about the book? Like, because you're the one who really suggested it, which I love. That was such a great suggestion. So tell us, tell us everything. Yeah, I think we talked about this a couple of months ago when we were trying to figure out the year for what we were going to do for a Lenten study. And we, I know we had already done Henry Nowen, but there was something about Return of the Prodigal Son that just... I don't know, kept on beckoning us. And I think it's the identity thing, the identity that we each play, the identity as the older son and the younger son. And we're there's all of us that have prodigals, yeah. parts of us, you know, that need to come home and each and every one of us. Yep. And I think also the Lord is transitioning some of us to be that father or mother figure to bring other people back home, you know, to call them back mm-hmm. home and to be those catalysts. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because when I was reading at this time, the whole idea of the painting, like, how art speaks to us like that is just, I was like, wow, you know, um, when I first read it, uh, I was in a different season. So just being reading it in a different season has just brought all new amazing epiphanies that I can't wait to share with you all. Mm. What about you, Heather? Oh, now I'm on the edge of my seat. I can't wait for you to share epiphanies either. (laughs) Seriously. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. I like epiphany. Yeah. I read this book years ago. And so I I was really, I'm, I'm excited to revisit it again, because I know that in other things in my life, different place, different time, different experiences, it speaks differently. And, and I'm inviting God into this, you know, which I would encourage everyone to, as you read, invite the Lord into it. We hear this at the, at the very beginning of this book is how God broke through and spoke to him through this piece of art. And I think God wants to do the same with us. That's my hope for this Lenten journey for all of us is that God would break through the words of this book and that he would stir things deeply in our own hearts, that he would open our eyes to see things. And even through the scripture, which I'm sure many of us have heard over a thousand times before, we're like, what's new here? I know this story. <laughs> Yet God, God's word is, mm-hmm. is always relevant and he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I think he has something new for each of us as we journey through this uh, time, this book and this Lenten season to speak through the scripture and this book to share something new with us and to bring us into deeper relationship and hopefully deeper conversion mm-hmm. um, to him. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah, that's a great, 
that's a great point, Heather. And I, I just wanted to invite, I, I actually thought of the same thing myself and just to invite all of us and invite our listeners to just to let go of any expectations we might have of the story we think mm-hmm. we already know. And if you've read the book before, or if you've heard about the book before, just to ask for the grace, let's just all ask for the grace as we begin this Lenten season to receive everything with, with fresh eyes with a fresh heart and just to allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever the Holy Spirit wishes to do this Lenten season, because it is true as many times, you know, we kind of look at these things. We're like, yeah, I've, I've heard that story before. I've read that book before, but, but like we all know the different things strike us at different times in our lives based on where we are. And so if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, I think it's going to be a really fruitful journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe we could talk a bit about where this story comes from. So this is the parable of the the prodigal son or the lost son, depending on you know how you want to call it. Or some people call it the parable of the merciful father. But it comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 15. And it's, I think it's important for us to set the context for it. And then we'll talk about Henry Nouwen's encounter with the painting from Rembrandt. But it comes from the gospel of Luke where Jesus is telling parables to a group of people. And so in the beginning of the gospel of Luke chapter 15, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners, tax collectors and sinners, so you have one side and the other, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So then Jesus begins to tell them a parable, which is so brilliant, just the way he teaches. So he begins with the parable of the lost sheep, which we hear the story where one goes astray and he leaves the 99 and he goes in search of the one to find it. And then from there, he goes to the parable of the lost coin of a woman who has 10 silver coins and she loses one and then she finds it. And she says, rejoice with me. You know, as the, as the shepherd says, rejoice with me, I found my sheep. She tells her neighbors, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. And then Jesus ups the ante to the most uh, profound significance, which is the human person. And then he says, there was a man who had two sons. And he tells the story of the younger son uh, who wanted his inheritance, which was a slap in the face to the father saying, I wish you were dead already. I want what's coming to me. And so the the father, in a, you know, very sorrowfully does that and knows exactly what's going to happen. And he gives the son his inheritance. And the son goes off to a distant country and squanders the whole thing and then becomes destitute. And obviously we're going to talk a lot about this story, but, and then he comes home, comes to and says, comes home and is reunited with the father who runs to meet him. And there's also in the story, an older son, an older son who by right had most of the inheritance. And he was the one who never left. And he was the one who labored in his father's vineyard every day on this father's land every day. And you see that it's a homecoming for both of the sons because the father goes out to meet them both, where one is repentant and brokenhearted. The other one is self-righteous and kind of leaning on his own works. So the father comes to meet them both. And that's really what Henry Nowen's going to open up to us. And I'm going to turn it over to the two of you. But um, and I'd love to read some of the book, actually, because Henry Nouwen's writing is exquisite. But this is what Henry Nouwen finds when he gazes upon the painting by Rembrandt of the the return of the prodigal son, which is so gorgeous. Henry Nouwen, after much reflection and looking at his own life and hours and hours and hours of reflecting, he realizes that he has all of the characters of the story in his own heart. He has the younger son and he has the older son and he has the father within him. And so this whole journey is the journey of holiness of the integration and the homecoming, homecoming, if you will, of all of those characters in our story. So Heather, as we kind of talk about this, what strikes you as we begin this journey? We're going to talk about the introduction of the prologue mm-hmm. today. Yeah. I think just initially, as I started reading that, that beginning part again, I, I loved how God surprised him, you know, using art and beauty to speak something very deep to him. And, and 
his journey of what God was speaking to him took a long time, a long time of meditating on this image and spending time and pondering and facing his own things that were coming up, you know, different parts that he could relate to. But it started with this initial encounter of beauty through the painting that Rembrandt painted of the prodigal son. And it caught him so off guard. And I thought that's so beautiful. His heart was just so tender and open to receive the gift of that image. And uh, I just loved how he even described that first encounter with it, that he kind of stopped in his tracks and was mesmerized by the beauty of this image and that it was speaking to something he could sense, like even just subtly, it was speaking to something deeper within, deeper than just what was happening in his day-to-day world or just its beauty. There was something going on there that was drawing him in. Yeah. What about you, Michelle? Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. the whole interaction between him and his friend Simone when he sees it. And it's just a replica. That's what I love at first. It's just a replica. It's not even the original one. So it gets better later on in the um, prologue and introduction when he sees the real thing. But I love mm-hmm. the line what uh, his friend Simone says. She says, it's beautiful, more than beautiful. It makes me want to cry and laugh at the same time. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what I feel as I look at it, but it touches me deeply. And I think there's, I mean, I just loved it because it was art, but there, there's that ache and that longing when something touches you, like a story, like Jesus does when he tells the parables or a piece of art or something. And it makes us feel so deeply. We have to pay attention to those things. And so I I think it's really easy sometimes to dismiss those aches and those longings in our life, but those are just, those are not yeah. things to be just easily dismissed. Those are things to stop and ponder and look at and allow them to move us. And not only allow them to move us, but to start to access the questions, okay, what is this ache? What is this longing? What is it that makes me laugh and cry and just invokes emotion in me? And um, not only invoke emotion, but there's something here that I need to pay attention to because the Holy Spirit is stirring. And I loved it because it was like just a simple meeting in an office and his life was profoundly changed by this painting, you know, Mm. just those little divine incidents that had deeper meaning into his life. So yeah, I just love the very beginning of it. Mm. I thought it was great. Yes, and he and he makes his way to St. Petersburg to sit before the original painting. And can I just read you the paragraph when he finally sees it? It's just so luscious. It's just so beautiful. He says, uh, and so there I was, facing the painting that had been on my mind and heart for nearly three years. I was stunned by its majestic beauty, its size larger than life, its abundant reds, browns, and yellows, its shadowy recesses and bright foreground. But most of all, the light enveloped embrace of father and son, surrounded by four mysterious bystanders. All of this gripped me with an intensity far beyond my anticipation. There had been moments in which I had wondered whether the real painting might disappoint me, but the opposite was true. Its grandeur and splendor made everything recede into the background and held me completely captivated. Coming here was indeed a homecoming. Mm. Mm. Ah, it's so beautiful. And it, and it is. And how he spends, I just like our, our, our you know, St. Pope Benedict in, he wrote a letter to artists as well. And the most famous one is by John Paul II. And it was funny. I was at a re- conference lately and somebody corrected me. They're like, oh, you mean John Paul II? So I'm like, no, I mean Pope Benedict's letter to yeah. artists. <laughs> and he talks about how, what that's what beauty does. You know, it bypasses our intellect and our will and it pierces our soul and it makes us long for eternity. It It wounds us. Pope Benedict talks about how beauty wounds us and that wounding can be incredibly vulnerable, incredibly, like you're saying, Michelle, 
incredibly difficult for us because it awakens aches in us. It awakens beauty. It awakens ugliness in us that we see where we want to grasp or we want to push away. But beauty must do these things so our hearts can be sifted through and what is good, true, and beautiful can rise to the surface. It's a huge sifting process. And so there's something about art itself, and there's many kinds of art, but the art itself and this painting, which would be wonderful just to kind of ponder this Lenten season, that really does, as you ponder it and as you open your heart to it, really does awaken our hearts to something far more deep. Mm, I so agree. And I loved where the state of like, he talks about where the state of his heart was in this journey. Like he was exhausted when he encountered the painting for the first time in his friend's office. He was so tired. Mm. He had just been like traveling and on a tour and in between where he first encountered it. And then he got the real thing was a time where he transitioned to the large community, which is a community of handicapped people that, um, created by Jean Mm -hmm. Vanier. And he, I think that the Lord was preparing him from the initial encounter with the painting in his friend's office to the real thing. I really think that the Holy Spirit had a process for him to go through because he was almost, in my mind, he was almost making the journey home to the Father and himself. Mm-hmm. You know, And I love that quote. He says, after my long self-exposing journey, and isn't that what we do? Yes. Like we always belong with the Father, but we're the ones that um, put our own selves in exile. You know, we're the ones that wander. Mm-hmm. He never wanders, you know, you know, one of those pr- prayers that I always love is Lord, bind my wandering heart to you because mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I am you. so prone to wander. So prone. He says, after my long self-exposing journey, the tender embrace of father and son expressed everything I desired at that moment. I was indeed the son exhausted from long travels. I wanted to be embraced. I was looking for a home where I could feel safe. Mm. And I don't know about you, but one of the things um, I get when I travel to events, and sister, you probably get even more so because you do more extensive travel than we do, but is the thing, how are you? I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. And I mean, I almost feel like we are in a chronic state of exhaustion, Mm -hmm. you know, because we are wandering where places where we don't need to be. And the place that we really need to be is in the embrace of the father Mm -hmm. and that all of us have this longing of home, you know, and we know that it, it will not be completely, um, content here because our true home is heaven. But yet there's this place that we want to reach while we're here on this side of heaven, like this place where we belong, this place where we feel safe, the place where we can enter into an embrace, you know, and where not only we can enter into the father's embrace, we can relax in the embrace because I don't know about you, but there's some times where I'll like even do an embrace. And if the person doesn't feel safe, I get very stiff. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, like don't come too close to me, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's something different when you come into an embrace and it's familiar and you feel safe. You can like just exhale and let your body kind of go limp and Mm -hmm. just relax in that embrace. Mm -hmm. What about you, Heather? Yeah. I, I, gosh, I feel like this is so, so, so rich. We could have a conversation for many, many hours about what we're talking about right now and the idea of home and what that means for many of us. You know, some of us have like a, a really sweet idea of home and we have sweet experiences and some of us don't, you know, some of us home, we're like, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what it feels like to truly be at home yet deep in the heart of every person, no matter what your experience is on earth, there is a longing for a home that that there that is full of sweetness and love and acceptance because we were all made for heaven. So there's this ache that no matter what your experience is, you still long for it. Yet 
the, the journey to get there into the arms of the Father, as he so eloquently describes, can often be filled with fear. And I love this little part where he, he's talking about, you know, that place of the Father embracing the kneeling Son. And he said, it's the place of light, the place of truth, the place of love. It's the place where I so much want to be but I'm so fearful of being. Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that as like when we read his self-discovery and like the exposing of all of these areas that he allows the Lord to do, it's a good, it's a good model for us because many of us don't do that. We don't take the time to allow parts of our hearts to be exposed before God because we're either too afraid or too busy, like you said, you know, so to, to look at him as a model of like, wow, look at what he did over the course of years. You know, how can I enter into the same kind of journey? And also, how can I be aware of what is holding me back from that journey? What is holding me back? What kind of fear is coming up that is keeping me away from the loving, merciful embrace of the Father? Like, are there places that we that we don't want to go there because of what it might stir up or because of what our human earthly experiences have said about those kinds of relationships. And I, and personally, I believe we all have them, no matter how great our home lives were, how great our parents were, you know, there, there are things that happened that shouldn't have happened or things that should have happened that didn't. And we need a father, the father, God, the father, who alone is good and perfect to come and heal those places mm-hmm. that have been lost. Amen. Oh my gosh. Amen. Amen to both of what you're saying. And I was, Heather, that's amazing. Cause I, had, I was just going to talk about that very same quote <laughs> oh, and yeah. I, you know, I, awesome. it's amazing. I, the, yeah, I think I know for myself and I can't remember if I said this already. Cause I can't remember what I said a lot of times, but I just, <laughs> I can't that's been such an ache. Five minutes ago. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what now? Where are we? Um, this has been such an ache in my heart just to have, just to go and sit on the lap of the father. And mm-hmm. I'm probably going to cry talking about it, but like, and have it like be home, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I think so often in human relationships, they're just fraught. We're all broken people. They're fraught with fear and mistrust sometimes. And sometimes they're fraught mm-hmm. with just all kinds of things. And you just want a place where you can go that wouldn't be awkward, where you didn't have to explain yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to explain like, this is why I do what I do, but like, you could just go and sit on the lap of the father and lay your head on his heart and just be, mm-hmm. and just be loved to go home. Mm-hmm. I just think like, <laughs> it's just such an ache in the heart of, of the tenderness of God before us and to have him come and dispel those areas where we resist, where we mm-hmm. either, you know, push away or we indulge in things that will break us where he's come, he's saying to us, come and bring your desires to my heart. Come, come mm-hmm. home. Because that's where I want to speak to you of what is good, true, and beautiful at the core of who you are. And so just like allowing that, which can be a scary desire to even desire that, just allowing that desire to come forth and not, like you said, Heather, um, allowing it to be filtered by previous experiences or what wasn't that should have been and, and acknowledging those things and not keeping myself from the Father because of the fear, but just taking in a sense, the risk of opening my heart and saying, this is what I really desire. And I, I, you know, if I'm desiring it, God is surely desiring it all the more for he's, he is, um, he's the father literally of that desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gosh, that's so beautiful sister. I just want to honor what you said, what you shared. Um, because it's so real, you know, and what you shared resonates with all of us. We all have those places where we're just 
aching for someone to get us, like to see us, to know us, to not be, to not turn away from our weakness or, you know, the things that are wrong, the things that are messy. I mean, look at the younger son as he comes home. He's just, he's a mess. He's a total mess. He's dirty. He probably reeks like pigs. His shoes are falling off. Like, and we'll talk about more of that, you know, as we get into the study. Um, but it's a good image for a lot of us to just go, the father isn't repulsed by that and he doesn't turn away. And that's, that's what we so long for. We long to be in a place where we can just be exactly who we are Mm -hmm. as we are, you know, not having to put on a mask, not having to clean it up. Um, and not just to be there, but to be loved there, accepted there, held there, treasured there, cherished there, seen, known. And it was so interesting when I was reading this, um, prologue and praying for our listeners as they like encountered this book and encounter what the Holy Spirit would do through and with them and in them in this book. I love the whole interaction between the art curator and the guard and how they made space for Henry Nowen to see the painting. Like how, like even when he came back to see it for a second time in the gorgeous, you know, art museum in St. Petersburg. And I mean, I was just like getting such a visual representation of it. Like, oh my gosh, if someone got me a beautiful and fought for me, like the guard Mm -hmm. to have this beautiful chair right in front of this painting that, and one of the prayers that I was praying is not only for myself, but for um, Heather and sister, but for our listeners, like that this Lent, that the Lord create a sacred space for you to behold Mm -hmm. him, that he goes before you and create this space for you to behold him and encounter him, that we have like the Holy Spirit art curator that puts a beautiful space, a beautiful chair, and whatever image that you got either have time for a holy hour or walks with the Lord or something, but that the Lord invites you to a sacred space where you can just behold something new in him that discover something new about him, discover something new about his love for you, discover something new about the way his face and his eyes gaze upon you. Mm -hmm. Just something new where you can just discover the beauty of who he truly is and how that beauty plays out in your own personal life. And if they serve you cheese and coffee, like the art people do (laughs) even better, you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, they gave him a chair and they had really good cheese and coffee. Like how good is that? Um, you know, and that is just my prayer for all of us. This Lent is that we, we can have sacred space to behold the Father in a new and intimate way, and that we feel home in a new and intimate way with mm-hmm. Him. And we feel it just not on the surface level, but like to the core of who we mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like to take that another step in a, in a, just a, it's almost like just turning the coin a little bit, uh, as Henry Nouwen talks about that God also wants to make his home in us. You know, and the understanding of what that, what that is, you know, I remember the Lord just speaking to me many years ago, um, about the scripture, you know, that, uh, Christ lives in us and just, it's like, we've heard that like so many times, you know, Christ lives in me and the hope of glory, whatever scriptures, you know, around that. And, and I, one day it just struck me differently. I was like, God lives in me. Like he, he, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm never alone. Like I'm, he's with me. He's, he's right here with me, you know? And it just sort of like, I don't know, blew my mind. It changed my whole perspective again. And, and I think that we need to take some time this Lent, I hope that we would become more familiar with God who has made his home in us. And Henry Nouwen talks about that. And he says, um, 
When I first saw Rembrandt's painting, I was not as familiar with the home of God within me as I am now. Nevertheless, my intense response to the father's embrace of his son told me that I was desperately searching for that inner place where I too could be held safely as the young man in the painting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I think that's really important because he goes along allowing him to make his home in us, but he goes along when he talks about coming back from seeing the painting. And he says, he talks about reflecting on his own journey. And he said, as I reflect on my own journey, I become more and more aware how long I have played the role of observer oh, man, in my own good. life. Yeah. Mm. So good. Mm-hmm. And he said, But he goes, had I myself really even dared to step in the center, kneel down, and let myself be held by forgiving God? Mm. But that whole idea of being the observer in our own life, like going through the motions of life, not really entering into the fullness of life that the Lord has for us right now, not really entering into the fullness of the embrace, not really coming home into ourselves, like that breaks the Father's Mm. heart. And Mm. I know just different times in my life where I felt like I've been an observer, you know, like watching mm-hmm. the motions go through. Like I was thinking about it. I remember a time where we were at this crazy state park and Chris and all of my boys were jumping off this waterfall. And I looked and I remember looking and I was deathly afraid that something was, somebody was going to get hurt because yeah. they were being way too wild in my opinion. But I remember thinking, I'm just an observer. Like I'm just watching everybody live and I'm just sitting on the sidelines because I'm still afraid of what's going to go wrong. I'm fearing the unknown or what if more than I am fearing the brilliance of living in fullness. Mm. Like I'm still walking on eggshells in areas of my life and waiting for the bottom to drop out. And when we do that, we're not, we're the bystanders, we're the observers, Mm. you know, when we lean in and love and allow ourselves vulnerability, even though the chance of that vulnerability may cause us hurt and pain because there's loss, but we're still feeling, we're still living life. You know, we're not self-protecting. Mm-hmm. We are entering fully into relationship. And I think that's the invitation that the Lord is offering us each mm-hmm. this Lent, you know, this mm-hmm. invitation to be real people in our stories and not just observers. That's good. Ooh, that's gold, ladies. This is gold for sure. I was I was just listening to um, an interview by Brene Brown, and she was talking about courage. And you know, we talk about how vulnerability, you know, and that that's the fear, right? That it's weakness, or that's the fear that we're going to be exposed. And she said, you know, when and she's like, we all admire courage in other people. So if you look at if you look at vulnerability as courage, so wherever in your in your life right now that God is calling you to step courageously into, she's like, when have us when have you ever made an act of courage that didn't involve risk, uncertainty, or emotional exposure? <laughs> it's like there is there there is nothing in life that you've ever done that's courageous that didn't involve risk, uncertainty, or emotional exposure. And so those are things we try to mitigate against because we are afraid of the fallout or because we're afraid of what's happened in the past or because we're afraid, but it's but that's the only way forward. I mean, you know, that's what Dr. Kurt Thompson talks about in his book, The Soul of Shame. The only antithesis to shame is communion. Mm. There is nothing else. Mm. There, there is no degree. There is no facade. There is no Instagram account. There, there is, and it's, it's terrifying for us, and yet it's our deepest desire. And that's what Henry Nouwen found mm-hmm. over time is that he ached to be seen, and he ached to belong, and he ached to be at home for other people and to have God at home with him. And he desire these things and they were the biggest fear, but they were also the deepest desire as well. And so when he surrendered to the truth of what was in the light of God, that's when his life began to, to really take shape itself. And as he talks about how the sun would 
hit the painting at certain times of day and different things would be illumined as the son of God shone upon his soul and illumined different things in the different times of days in his life, so to speak. And that's exactly what God is doing with us this Lent. The grace of this Lent is not the grace of last Lent. It's different. So the sun is shining on our soul in a different way, and he's going to illumine a different facet that he wishes to bring home to communion. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. He found home in himself, and he found more about himself when he entered into community. When he entered into real, Mm -hmm. true, authentic community. And that community he thought we in. I mean, this man taught at Harvard, and he was used to teaching the most brilliant minds. And then he moved to the large community where um, he was with people with mental challenges. But he found more richness there than he did in the elite. But I love when he talks about coming home and staying there where where God dwells. Um, and he realizes that God's a jealous lover, you know, who wanted every part of him and wanted every part of his story, the prodigal parts and the older son parts and all the other parts, and that he had allow himself to go through this process to allow the Lord to have every single part of him. But he discovered those parts and like the raw, messy parts of him when he entered in community and allowed himself to be seen and allowed himself to be known that we have to offer others around us. Like you cannot do vulnerability in isolation, people. It has to be in communion. You know, it has to be with other people. Mm -hmm. And it's scary and it's hard, but it is where transformation takes place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a place that for some of us, we don't want to go. We don't want to, you know, it's like, oh, I I can maybe expose myself to God, you know, emotionally um, and vulnerably, but not other people. And, and yeah, you know, it's true. Some people aren't trustworthy, but I think for many of us, it, it's going to take a, a brave step forward into some relationships to be vulnerable yeah. because I truly believe that there are certain aspects of healing that can only happen with other people in the mix that can only happen in relationship. There's, there's places that will stay locked unless we're willing to go there with other people and to be loved, to be loved in the day to day, to be loved in the ups and downs. Um, so yeah. What a beautiful conversation. Mm-hmm. Woo. We could keep going here. Yeah. But. And we're just getting started, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't wait. You know, this is just the beginning. I can't wait to see what God's going to unfold uh, as we journey. And so um, just as we kind of transition here, can I just read the last paragraph from the introduction? Because I think it really is a heart of the Henry Nowen for all of us as we make this journey. He says, All that I have lived since my first encounter with the Rembrandt poster has not only been given me the inspiration to write this book, but also suggested its structure. I will first reflect upon the younger son, then upon the elder son, and ultimately upon the father. For indeed, I am the younger son, I am the elder son, and I am on my way to becoming the father. And for you who will make this journey with me, I hope and pray that you too will discover within yourselves not only the lost children of God, but also the compassionate mother and father who is God. And so that's the journey, friends. So we we just pray for you as we as we start and just to see, you know, noticing what's stirring in your heart today, maybe what's beautiful and what's challenging, because those are both of your heart, that's those are both parts of your heart trying to tell you something. And just to see where the Lord wants to shine his grace upon your soul this Lent and, and to speak of communion. So um any any last things, ladies, before we jump into our one thing for the week? 
I'm just so, ex- yeah, I'm just so excited to be on the journey with everybody. And I hope that, uh, that everybody yeah. will hang with us. I know it's six weeks, it's a long time or five yes. weeks, however many of these we're doing, but I just hope that we can do this together, that you will find another person, or even if you can't, that you would just journey with some of the, um, journaling questions that we're going to provide. There's discussion questions for everybody that you can download a beautiful little template on our website. You just go to abidingtogetherpodcast.com and, uh, it's going to be, all the info is going to be there for you. So I hope mm-hmm. that this time is a time of blessing for each of you mm-hmm. listening. Yeah. And you can join our private Facebook group too. So we'll be having great discussions there about the book also. And so we have the schedule up. We'll put the schedule up again of the, of our dates of when we're going to discuss what. So next week we're going to talk about part one, which is the chapters one to three on the younger son. And so you can decide if you want to read those first and then listen to the episode or you want to listen to the episode and then read the chapters. It's up to you. So that's what we, where we will be moving on uh, from there. And we're very excited. So, so ladies, as we begin Lent, uh, what is Michelle? Would you like to offer our listeners a one thing for the road? Sure. My one thing is actually um, two little podcasts. I mean, two little Instagram accounts that two of the young adult women that I'm friends with uh, have made. Um, Allie, that does Oodles of Doodles. She's a gorgeous mm. hand letter. She's been on the podcast before. Yes. She's so These women. Oh, she is so much fun. But this, she makes me laugh like nobody's business, but she makes me play like really play, which is good for me. But she just started the silliest Instagram account called oodles of glutes. And it's her doing squats in different locations <laughs> every day. And it makes me laugh so hard. So not to be outdone, another young adult that I love that works with Be Love Revolution, uh, who is Debbie Herbeck's organization that's also been on the podcast, Natalia, has decided to do oodles of flutes. And so she <laughs> on her recorder. So she plays a note from her recorder every single day. And I just can I tell you, like just being around with them a couple of days. Like they want me to start one and they have their name. I'll let you know if I uh, answer the challenge. But I was like, I just need those kind of people in my life that just make me play and laugh and be really silly and just Mm -hmm. not take yourself seriously. (laughs) So I will link their Instagram accounts. They're going to be, they're going to be like mortified that I put these on here, which is even better. I'm already thinking of every other Instagram account that people I know would start with things that rhyme with that. My 15 year old son. I won't even tell you what he would have. Oh yeah. No, they were yeah brainstorming all of them. So anyway, um, Allie's goal is to be like Oprah where she has a whole contingency like of oodles. But anyway, it's awesome. (laughs) And it's made me laugh and it's just a little bit of fun. So sister, what is your one thing? That's so funny. I love that. That's fun. Mine might be kind of weird, but I I went to the dentist the other day and they were cleaning my teeth. And, you know, I don't think anybody really enjoys like, you know, like, woo, let's go to the dentist. But I want to say, I just want to say thank you for dentist. Can we just say thank you? Because I was (laughs) thinking of, I'm totally weird, but just go with me on this. I mean, if you've ever had teeth problems, you know how important your teeth are. Many times it's not until you have a problem with it that you can't chew or you can't drink hot or cold anymore. And I was just thinking of just what that's, I mean, who wants to, you know, do that? Like you're scraping people's teeth, you're pulling teeth out, you're filling cavities, you're all that kind of stuff. But I was like, thank God. I mean, seriously, thank God just for the gift to be able to go to the the dentist and have strong teeth that enables us to eat food that powers our bodies and to, you know, to make us healthy. Is your teeth health is actually directly related to your brain health as well, because your teeth are so close to your brain. So I do have to say that even though it is not always pleasant, um, I am very grateful for Dennis. Is that so weird? But maybe that's Lenten for you. I don't know. But I just wanted to give a shout out. Shout out y'all to all you dentists and dental hygienists and everybody who works on mouths because we need you. So thanks. That's weird. All right. 
<laughs> Whatever. Are you guys rolling your eyes at me? I can't You're see you like right a now. And every it's dentist, like, a commercial for dentists. like every Catholic yeah. dentist, is going to take that little blurb and make it his little commercial. And oh, so, girl, as yeah. you should. You go right ahead, uh-huh. men and women. You go. You knock yourself out. I'm all for you. <laughs> Sister Marine for dentist. Hashtag. All right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, my one thing is actually an artist that I encountered at the Focus Conference that we were at over the break, and her name is Ruth Strickland from New Jerusalem Studios. And what mm. caught my eye is I went by her booth, and there were four glorious icons of the four women doctors of the church. And I was like, what is this? And it was so beautiful. And all the rest of the images that she had were so stunning. And she took time to explain them all and how she painted them and what the inspiration was behind all of the little things. So I just, I just wanted to say her work is beautiful. And if you want to check it out, we'll have the link to all of our one things in the show notes. And she has a number of things that she can do in churches, but small versions of it as well. So I hope that blesses you. Okay, but really her one thing should have been, oh my gosh, I should buy those for Michelle. But no, that didn't even (laughs) enter her frame of thought. I even texted her about them to go see them. And she's like, I never got the text. So she didn't even think about me. Nothing. Bill. Knowing that that was like a perfect gift, but nothing. That's okay. All right. Happy Lent, Michelle Benzinger. Happy Lent. Seriously. I'm just trying to make you holier by not, you know, giving you too many Okay. Thank you. Oh, I love it. Well, God bless y'all. And we are, and happy Lent, really, honestly. We just pray this is a deeply transformative time. And stay with us. It's going to, I know there's going to be times where you're not going to want to read the chapters or do the work, but we want you to just invite you to stay with us. We're on the journey with you. We love you and we're in this together and we are all going home. So until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. If our podcast has blessed you, would you please consider financially supporting Abiding Together via Patreon? Patreon is a website where people can make donations to help keep the podcast going. And now that we at Abiding Together have an independent platform, we have a number of costs that go into creating the podcast and the high quality content we offer, such as our website, design, tech support, staff, and other elements. Having an independent platform also allows us to explore and create new content for all of our listeners to enjoy. So thank you so much to all of you who are already donors. When you donate through our page on Patreon, you are able to donate any amount, $1 a month, $5 a month, $500 a month, or just a one-time offering. Abiding Together is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, and donations are tax deductible. So would you please prayerfully consider giving to Abiding Together? If you donate $15 or more per month, you become a tribe member, and you will receive a short individual video from Michelle, Heather, and I each month about a variety of topics. You can see all of the information on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. So consider becoming a supporting member today and help us further the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and through this community. Together, we can do amazing things. We are so grateful for your support and may God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? Could you also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. All the show notes are in your podcast app, but if you'd like them emailed to you, you can go to our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. On our website, you will also find all of our past episodes and information about various episodes. You can also join our private Facebook group and get in on the discussion 
passion and all the beautiful things that are happening there. We are so glad that you are on the journey with us. And until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you.